Hey, this is Chip from The Real Dirt. I'm back. That's right. I just got back from heli skiing up in uh, BC, up at a place called Silvertip in the Caribou in eastern BC. And I'm actually a snowboarder myself. Uh, First time heli boarding. Went with a bunch of my friends, uh, my buddy Hollis Carter. It was his birthday. It was several people's birthdays, actually. And about 14 of us, all entrepreneurs, all business people, went on this incredible, incredible trip in the best week of February to Silver Tip Lodge. Silver Tip Lodge, BC. If you've ever thought about going snowboarding, heli boarding, heli skiing, these guys got it, man. The lodge was incredible. It was just like being in your like rich uncle's house, right? It wasn't too like over the top. It was very homey. The staff was wasn't really incredible. They were you know so nice. Um, and ca- Canadians are always really nice people, but these guys were really nice. They like you know catered to my vegetarian pescatarian lifestyle made fun of me in a little bit of cool manner you know but man like fed me awesome like took care of us the 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 heli operators there cold creek i believe they're called man just man world class heli pilot like this guy man he got us into some of the craziest spots i mean i could just hear like this you know the the ride of the valkyries in the background almost every moment like you know i mean it really felt apocalypse now like except it was just a beautiful environment in the snow and nobody was shooting at us we were actually you know fixing the shoot in the mountain so to speak and Man, just incredible time. And I'll tell you, I was the old guy on the trip. Right. I'm 46. Yep. I've been around a small amount of time. Uh, I was the old guy on the trip, but I, I still got it. Right. I was solidly able to last half as long as everybody else. Um, <laughs> I, but it was a great time, man. And I think out of like four days, I got like 28 drops in four days. And the other group, other people in our group got like 38, like 45 drops, like It was incredible. Definitely go check it out. Check out our Instagram site and you'll see some of the photos this week. Check out Silvertip Lodge. But man, you know, here's the cool thing about it is I was at this place and I had three of my great friends who were also in the hemp industry. So after one day of boarding, we sat in the bar of the lodge and a real small lodge. It was just 14 of us. I think it was, that was probably capacity. We sat in the lodge, we had a couple of drinks and we just talked about hemp. I was fortunate enough to have Graham Carlson from Charles Webb. He's uh, done all kinds of high level positions for them. And we talk about what's just kind of happened with Charlotte's Webb and what's going on with the publicly traded markets in Canada. We talked to uh, Mike Liego, a guest I've had on several times. He's going to be on several more hemp episodes. We hang out, it seems like, a lot. And uh, he was also on this trip. He showed up kind of last minute. And uh, then my buddy Hollis Carter, who was kind of the mastermind of this whole thing. And Hollis, he's involved with, you know, smokable hemp. Right. And uh, has been developing a brand uh, and packaging and really high quality, like smokable hemp cigarettes, hemp smokes, hemp smokes. And they don't really like that term cigarettes, but great conversation. We talk about what's going on in Canada. We talk about hemp all over the world. We talk about the opportunities and this really genuinely such a good hemp episode that I'm stoked that uh, I was able to record this. So, yes, sit back, man. If you want to, like, feel what we were feeling, you can maybe put a YouTube snowboard video on because, let me tell you, it was just like that. Landing on the knife edge of the mountain, hopping out the sun, dropping down. It was incredible. Or rolling down, as the case may be. Sit back, turn it on mute, fire one up. Maybe you got some hemp. Fire some hemp up. That's right. Hemp's good for smoking, too. You know, it's cannabinoids, uh, terpenes. And enjoy this episode. Enjoy this hemp episode of The Real Dirt.
Welcome once again to The Real Dirt. On today's dirt, we're in fabulous British Columbia at the Silver Tip Ski Lodge, Heli Lodge. And I'm with two of my great friends and hemp aficionados. Uh, that's right, Mike and Grant. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got you guys cornered here. I've been wanting to chat with both you guys in, in the Real Dirt studio, but since we're on a little vacay here together, we can uh, talk about ganja and hemp and, and Canada and heli skiing and any kind of thing we want for 24 minutes, and that's it. All right, let's do it. Come <laughs> in. So we got here to uh, BC on uh, last Thursday or Wednesday. I immediately went to the uh, ganja store, a really nice Apple ganja store, like like an Apple store. Did you go with me? No, no you guys weren't with I me, right? It, it was a great place, man. They, you walked in. It was called City Cannabis. You walked in. They had a guy there who was kind of iPad hit the bud tender talk to you about all the cannabis they were really informed were they behind the counter uh they were no they no counter no no counter, counter. it was just like uh. an ice store so they had uh samples of the ganja going around the room and then a large table in the middle of the room wait real quick did you just call the apple store the ice store yeah totally <laughs> it works but, yeah, it, it, it works but yeah totally and it's it's uh that's the electronic version the apple store is the uh, brick and mortar version there you go so uh, you walk in, they had one gram of all the samples, right? And they had the biggest people. They had Canopy with cannabis there. They had the Aurora with their cannabis brands there. They had some micro cannabis brands as well. So do they, they identify all their brands by the parent company? All, like all the brands are identified by the parent. Yep, absolutely. Okay. And Aurora and Canopy have gone up and bought a bunch of independent right. brands. There was L.A. Confidential and Lemon Skunk. and There's a few I hadn't seen before. A few, a few Canadian sure. things I haven't seen Galliano before. Yeah, Galliano. <laughs> and they were packaged in, t- in either eights or grams. They were in plastic, childproof containers that had a hermetically sealed top. It was all awful. I bought eight different uh, nuggets there, eight different eights, and everyone was absolutely awful. And I'm a critic and I'm a judge. And we smoked all this weed. It's not like we threw it away. Pretty much out. Yeah, we're yeah, pretty, pretty much, much out. out. Like, so. <laughs> But the, with the millions of dollars that Canopy and Aurora have claimed to have spent on the development of technology, I think they probably developed some vacation homes. Right, and definitely develop some bank accounts. Oh yeah, like could, you know, Mike, you saw quite a bit of this ganja. Could you, could you like give me your opinion on it? What was wrong with it, really? You know, uh, I'm used to ganja smelling nice and like cannabis. This stuff had a uh, you know old smell to it, if you will, like old BC bud. Like now it's like it was like outdoor <laughs> from 2016. Yeah, it old. was that old. It you know right. like I've gotten beasters that still smell good. Right. They're still they're beasters, but they smell good. CDM, you know. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a way to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep doesn't smell good. Yeah, you know. It really is criminal and awful. I actually totally wanted to go get my money back, but, but it was cheap, right? No, fuck no, it wasn't cheap, dude. I think I paid three hundred dollars for an ounce, eight eights. Who are doing this? These larger corporations who are really trying to capture the market and drive into market share to be creating a quality product. I don't know why you'd even necessarily expect that. Because people buy what's ever put in front of them. Yeah, and it's just like uh, vegetables and avocados at the grocery store. Most people just pick up whatever is in front of them, especially and buy it. when there's a temporary shortage and there's a market to be met. I mean, that's I'm I'm not surprised. It's disappointing, but it is totally when disappointing. You told me that I was I wasn't surprised. Yeah, it's not a shock. No, but they could do a better job. They could do a better job. Now, both Graham and Mike are both in the hemp business here. And I know, I know uh, Aurora and Canopy are entering the hemp business. They've already entered the ganja business. But I'm just going to have some advice for you guys. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Aurora and Canopy, exactly what you're doing wrong and how you're fucking up. Number one, you have to dry the weed to maybe 10 or 12% moisture rate. That makes it really dry. And then you seal it 
in an in a airproof container and it'll hold that moisture level. Sure. Right? It'll hold that Absolutely. moisture level. That's too expensive. I don't know. <laughs> Totally, totally, totally. And don't give me this bullshit about like, oh, we got seven acres. We can't dry it right. Well, then just extract it. If you can't dry quality ganja, because some of it was great and some of it looked good even. Uh Right. And I know the the DNA genetics, those are the cuttings. It's not like it's genetic drift or anything. You you really need to do a better job. Now, I understand that you're going to be like, oh, the regulations of cannabis, Canada, force us to do this. You can buy a three-cent Mylar bag that will air seal your eighth, and it'll make it better for somebody like me, and then put it in your child-proof container. You you got any other suggestions for maybe some of the other cannabis growers in in Canada or or throughout the U.S. on on how to make it more quality product? You know, it just uh, reminds me of the early days and the existing days in the ganja industry where guys are coming in and they've got a little closet grow maybe they've got a spare bedroom or a garage and then they say i'm gonna open a warehouse or i'm gonna do a hundred thousand square feet of canopy and guess what it doesn't work that easy to scale up try doing that 50x exactly and canopy aurora tilray these companies are spending money like crazy to expand their reach and it's hard to scale an operation and it's truly the operations that are probably suffering right now as they try and build up Infrastructure, square footage, staff, genetics. I mean, is it really about the cannabis you're doing good anymore, though? I mean, that's no. that's the part that I just kind of zoom out for. Oh, well, I'm a business person. I sell whatever. It's mostly in the cannabis space. It's mostly equipment. But, man, you got to have some pride in what you're yeah. doing. It can't just be about shoveling shit out and, the door. And while and, you're doing it, not it. just to grab market share and roll up into something. Yeah, yeah. A- a- absolutely. Absolutely. And never trust a spreadsheet. The spreadsheets lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but always have a spreadsheet. At the same time. <laughs> True. Totally. Always have a spreadsheet. So if you've invested in Canopy or Aurora and, and you're a stockholder, I want you to complain. I want you to say, hey. I'm not quite sure if you spent all our money appropriately because I'm hearing from Chip Baker, one of the authorities on cannabis and consumption of cannabis in the world. I'll take that title. I made it up for myself. Man, this shit's bad and you need to step it up and make better product. I'm curious what the plan is because Canopy announced they're going to spend $170 million on an extraction facility out east, e- eastern U.S. And, you in know, New York? less, less than, yeah, I think yeah. New York. And then less than a month later, said it's going to be a 500 million on top of that investment let's see tilray this just week manitoba. yeah just bought manitoba yeah. to talk about you know they're they want reach they want reach into the cbd market in the u.s but guess what manitoba doesn't have cbd products right now well you know i'm, I'm glad we transitioned this perfectly because you know the interesting thing about growing hemp for cbd is it's an extraction growing technique right it's not a smoking technique Right. You don't harvest the weed the same. You don't grow the weed necessarily the same. There's a subsection of the market that's for smokable hemp. Oh, yeah, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Still, though, people are mostly field growing, field drying, commercial drying. And I think now we're going to this season see a lot more distinction between the tops of the you know plants out in the field versus guys that were growing indoor growing in greenhouses putting out a boutique product that's really high quality curing it right harvesting it right storing it right so that'll be interesting most of the cbs grown for extract cbd's grown totally. for extraction totally. what's mike saying but there there is a smokable cbd segment that is is gathering now less than five percent of for sure. Yeah, totally. Less than 5%. Uh, but it's more grown and uh, uh, more grown like ganja. Well, in theory it is, but I think in practicality what a lot of these guys are doing is just trimming off the tops of their plants. That's what's hitting the market. There's a handful of growers and greenhouses and maybe some indoor that's there strictly for the boutique smokable market. But it's mostly people trying to take advantage of the market a little bit, get a little more for their flower. And who can blame them? But there, I don't think there's been a real push for consistent, high-quality smokable. I know it's never going to be the, the biggest part of the CBD market, but when you look at what's going on with tobacco and smoking addiction, you know, it's going to be a, a good alternative for folks. And is that be, doing well in Switzerland? I heard that Switzerland, Switzerland kind of kicked it off. Larger market for that. Yeah, but they, they were able to mix it with tobacco because of the way their laws worked. Well, right. that's laws and culture. I mean, they can smell or sell uh, straight 
you know, smokable flour without tobacco uh, mixed in, but they've got CBD cigarettes mixed with tobacco in grocery stores over in Switzerland. You know, we got hit up by that market a couple years ago, started servicing them with high quality flour from the States. And we tried to bring that same product stateside and in Colorado and nobody wanted it. That's now a it's the next thing. That's a 1% flower too, right? Isn't Switzerland's yep. level one? Yep. Is there not in the EU? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. 1% TET? Yeah, correct. Right. Most, mostly 0.3 over there. You've got a couple that are 0.6, some 0.2. I had mostly 0.2. 0.2, yeah. Italy was 0.6. What's, what's the... 0.6 is like uh, Italy though. Austria, I think, like some of the some countries have a higher limit, uh, but I think point two, you're right, is EU standard. Well, now with with the WHO coming out with their health recommendations for the UN body, that that's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. They still have to vote. It's probably not going to come into effect until 2020, March of 2020. They'll vote because it was delayed. But the fact that the WHO recommended that there should be no control or scheduling over over CBD is pretty pretty amazing. What do, you th- what do you think that's going to mean in the future over there? And how is that going to spread? Well, you've got 100 and 183 member nations. And so that's obviously there has to be a vote. It's going to be controversial. When I was there in Vienna this December, Russia was objecting to it. Several countries, China was objecting to it. But I've, I think that influence, even if, even if the vote goes down and it's not, uh, it's not concrete or doesn't pass, I think the fact that the WHO came out with that and said, hey, we've done the science on this, there's... No potential for addiction or abuse. This is a very beneficial compound, potentially. I think it could be very influential. Obviously, some some nations are going to drag their feet or not not agree with whatever comes down. But Well, I mean, we're even having problems here in the U.S. with uh, the, the point three laws. And we just saw what happened in Oklahoma and in Idaho. Idaho, Idaho. man. Right, Idaho. just like a point four, point five. Oklahoma, apparently, the company had... Talked to the state, got an approval to transport this hemp through there, yeah. and state patrol, local patrol, pulled them over, and that didn't an issue. Yeah, and that didn't that didn't get them very far. And you know, I think the truck driver sat in jail for almost a month, six weeks, even. six weeks. Yeah, fucking nuts, man. Yeah, wait, that's got to be figured out. And right now, there's states that are allowing, you know, saying all that matters is delta nine THC, and other states that are saying total THC, and kind of an Oregon, ambiguous Minnesota ambiguous farm laws. bill. So, Graham, what do you think about the farm bill? Does that tell us if it's point three? I know they say recommend almost oh, decarb decarbing, but. I think it's stipulated on Delta Nine. It says Delta. It says Delta Nine, but they recommend post decarboxylation testing. Yeah. I, mean, I honestly think that's kind of minutiae. It's going to take a while for for the farm bill to come into effect. Whether you're looking at how USDA is going to handle it, um, FCC with advertising, we all have all these smaller sub or smaller federal governmental agencies. They're going to take at least a year to get going. I mean, it's. That's the speed of bureaucracy at that level. And Idaho is an interesting one, though, because they were like, we don't give a shit about the farm bill. Exactly. Like, we don't care. We're still going to prosecute against it. And so, man, those guys got like 7,000 pounds. Are they being prosecuted for 7,000 pounds of ganja in Idaho? That's, that's what we're hearing. And apparently they did such a minimal job of packaging that stuff that they were smelling it two miles down the highway following this truck. Oh, that was from Oregon, huh? That was from yeah, Oregon. Yeah, that good stuff from Oregon. Good stuff from Oregon. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the, the board of the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, and I know we've been looking into doing some friend-of-the-court things where we're actually talking to different attorneys and explaining the federal legislation. We're not in a position where we can go in and necessarily support or fund a legal defense for everybody in the nation who encounters these issues, but um, I know we'll be actively involved there. Well, you know, we, we've, we've seen the same thing happen in, in California, Oregon, Washington, in the ganja sector, where the law enforcement was against it. And they thought they had the power and they thought they could, like, just do whatever they wanted. And they busted people. They tried to put people out of business. They tried to scare people from going into business. They come into the fold in some of those states. Correct. And Graham, I got a question for you. I mean, states like Oregon right now that have been testing only Delta 9 THC have total THC numbers between 0.5 and 1%. How do you see that playing out moving forward? I mean, are they going to be able to transport that out of state? Do you think that there's a future where there's manifest in a system similar to metric? Where, Yeah, well, I know in, in a lot of ways, but at the same time, would you rather have to jump through those loopholes or see people stuck in jail for trying to do their job? You know, those truck drivers aren't in the cannabis space. They're not in the hemp scene. They're truck drivers, and they took the fall. 
I would rather see it be just simply total THC and treating like any other USDA commodity. Hey, hey, could you explain what total THC means to my listeners here? Uh, So, I mean, you have decarboxylation, so THC naturally comes with a carboxylic acid on it. When you heat it up, smoke it or extract it or pre-extraction, you end up taking that CO2 molecule off of it. And that's actually what allows it to pass the blood-brain barrier and become most efficacious for the body. So when you look at total THC, you would say some of this on the plant is naturally decarbing, um, and that'll be a, a certain percentage. Um, but then you also have a, a portion that has that carboxylic acid on it. So I think the net carboxylic acid THC is what should be considered, and that's... And that's how they do it in Colorado. Did I say that right? That's Graham right. over here dropping clips in the morning, dropping knowledge in the afternoon. Yeah, I, know, I know. He's not just I an accountant. Haven't, I haven't thought about that science in a long time, so I want to make sure that's... It rolled off the tongue off. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure one of my listeners will uh, definitely right, correct you if you're it. wrong. Actually, for sure. That's, <laughs> that's easy to ignore. <laughs> no, hey, man, I get lots of education from my, uh, from my <laughs> listeners, that's for sure. If you have a comment, or you'd like to say something to me or something about one of my episodes, or you'd like to hear something something on the real dirt please drop me a line Graham's phone number yeah Graham's Graham's phone number is Mike what do you think about that I mean would you do you think I just think it's the most sensible way to approach it is you have a net I tend to agree and so being you know starting as a hemp farmer in Colorado it was always total THC and I thought I discovered you know the loophole the first season where it's like well are they testing for THC or THCA and I think that it's it's challenging. States like Oregon, you got a bunch of breeders with good genetics that are, you know, if you're right. pollen fucking right now and coming up with new stuff. Chunking, it's... chunking. Okay, sure. <laughs> pollen chunking, sure. <laughs> uh, Plant fuckers. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky up there because Oregon's putting out some really great product. They're putting out a ton of biomass. <clears throat> And high, high, highest yields in the country, right? Highest now. yields in the country, highest quality in the country. But a big part of that is because they're growing it all hot. You know, it's rare that total THC is anywhere close to 0.3. And most of the guys up there show you test results at 0.7 and say this is legal. But would you come here and pick it up, you know, because they don't want to ship it. You know, they're wise- Idaho. Yeah, exactly. So that tells you something right there when they say it's legal, but hey, we don't want to ship it to you. Can you come grab it from us? And we see what's happening when they're shipping it and getting pulled over. It's not good and it needs to be figured out. Yeah. So we, we happen to be in a bar at the beautiful Silver Tip Lodge here in British Columbia. Uh, both of you guys look like your, your drinks are empty. Can I order you another one? I got some, some peanut on there probably uh, tomorrow. Um, um, here, let me see if I can get my bartender over here. What do you want? Uh, bartender, can we have three drinks, please? Yes, can. Yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> Old-fashioned. We're, we're going to have two Old Fashions, and Graham's going to fill up his bottle, his glass of wine. Um, and I'm sorry, uh, listeners out there who, who think less of us now because we're drinking alcohol and talking about ganja. But uh, Hey, we just had uh, four long ski days. Dude, we need a little bit. And the, the ganja's not that great, so I can't like... The ganja's not that great. It's not that plentiful at this time. Right. So what are we going to do? Our muscles are hurting. We've been sore. We've been skiing all day. Yeah, because, be nice like, I, I mean, me and Mike, we brought all the weed. Yeah, Chip brought all the weed. I, I, I threw a few bucks on it, but I got five on it. You know. No, but hey, you know, here's some interesting stuff that's been great about Canada. One is you can fly with thirty grams. In, oh, in so the so when I when I cruise into the airport in Vancouver, I'm heading over to the hotel. And I look out the window and I see Chip outside smoking a joint. So I sheepishly cruise out and say, hey, let me get a little bit of that. And he goes, check out the sign. There's a sign. This is the weed smoking zone. That was mind blown. I've never it, seen it, that before. Sure enough, there's absolutely a sign. It has a uh, vape and uh, marijuana smoking zone. If you're offended by it and want to smoke tobacco, then there's tobacco only right uh, uh, places in That's the airport. The as well. So they're doing some things right. But public consumption needs to be allowed. Yeah. Cultivation uh, needs to be stepped up. We're going to be smoking in public. We might as well be proud of what we're smoking. But right? smoke better weed. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, the laws in Canada have been great, man. You can send it through the mail. There's mail order. Really? Yeah, you can mail order cannabis here. Wow. Right? There's operations all over. And, you know, throughout Canada, they've already pioneered greenhouse growing, growing under lights in large scale. So it's a perfect thing to have happen with cannabis. But now Canopy, Tilray, Aurora, they're buying them all up. Yeah, I see the bar is starting to fill up here. We're just going to have to talk over everybody as they come in for ordering their their alcoholic beverages. 
Let's talk about some other stuff happening in, in, in hemp right now. Let's talk about these crazy investments that are going on with these big Canadian companies since we're here in Canada coming into the States to... I don't I don't know what the term is what they're trying to do they're investing in hemp industry I don't know if they if it's Well it's it's kind of just the nature of what's going on is there pub- many of them are publicly traded companies or large corporations and they're trying to like increase the value of their company or corporation and the way to do that is to buy other people's stuff in right. markets here, I mean, what, what is the market size of Canada alone, right? It's 30 million people. 30 million people. What's, what's California? LA is 30, 30 40 million people. Fifth largest million. economy in the world, just California? Yes. Oh, totally. Markets here. I think the awareness is here. Ah, thank you, Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Um, here, cheers. Salute. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Carmen makes a mean old-fashioned. She really does. I asked her what her specialty was the first day after I realized they didn't have olives for martinis. Mm-hmm. Old-fashioned it was. Right. Yeah, you know, we should have a... Uh, look, Look, a, a, a guest just walked into the Real Dirt podcast, Hollis Carter. Hollis Carter is uh, one of the pioneers of Lefty's Hemp Company. Lefty's is a smokable uh, hemp brand. We were just talking about smokable hemp. Let's get Hollis's opinion over here after he orders a drink. Yeah, he just got off the hill. You know, he just he's got to go over there and put an order in with Carmen. So how are, how was your day? Let's start Let's it off. Let's describe but, Hollis, though. Yeah, okay. Hollis appearing physically <clears> in here? As I'm chicken wing, sorry. He's like, he's, is it described? I don't know. It's tough to describe. You know, there's there's a lot of hair. There's He's a lot of a, hair. quite a contrast next to me. <laughs> how, how was your day on the hill today? I would say it was absolutely all time. Uh, I would put it in the uh, the top ten days of just enjoying myself in the mountains I've ever had. I would say today was a world class experience. When you look at those snowboarding and skiing videos and you see people on tops of mountains bombing down it, we did that shit today. Yeah, often we did it a lot. I was powered by Zoco today. Oh yeah, yeah. So CBD energy right there. Yeah, totally. We were all we've all been taking uh, Zoco energy, which is a CBD energy formulation. Could you could you tell us a little bit about it, Mike? Sure. So uh, Zoco was founded with this uh, really fun group of entrepreneurs. How I know all you gentlemen here, and we've got some really great formulated products. The signature one is an energy capsule. It's got some caffeine, some uh, naturally. D- Derived caffeine from uh, tea leaf and some spirulina and some ginseng and a bunch of other goodies in there. But what we're finding is when you hit the ski slopes on some Zoco, you can rip all day. <laughs> it kept me on the heli for sure. The first day. Anti-inflammatory, a little energy boost. It's great. So Hollis, we were speaking about the complexities of uh, smokable hemp, and uh, you, you have uh, Lefty's uh, Hemp Cigarettes um, that's come out this past year. Will be fully launched here in this next year. Tell me where you think that the smokable hemp uh, market uh, is having problems, and where you think it needs to go. Problems, I would say. It seems everyone's treating it, trying to make it look like weed, when really it's hemp, which is a very cool thing. The fact that it is low THC and everyone's just trying to dress it up and make it look like a giant joint or a cone, sell it for a bunch of money and make it like wheat, when really it's just an awesome plant. And some people don't like the THC high, and they seem to just love smoking the lefties and having the, the hemp high, which is a little different. So we've had a lot of people who are quitting smoking cigarettes who now love those. Maybe their girlfriend hates them smoking cigarettes has been a big one, and they can smoke the lefties and not get in trouble. A lot of people hate smoking cigarettes themselves. Right. But no, it's I've had so but many like people say that. You like yeah. the whole deal? Um, right. That's great. The bar, the bar's getting a little loud as the, the helicopters are coming in. Everybody's drinking and whistling and having a good day. Uh, you know what I really like about about smokable hemp polis is that it's mostly grown with water out in the fields, and so it makes the smoothest smoke. Right? It might not look the same or smell the same, but like it is like really, really a smooth, a smooth smoke. First time I ever smoked hemp out of our field, I was amazed at how well it smoked. It looked like, you know, beasters. It looked like something you bought a long time ago. But like 90s weed. Yeah, but it actually tasted great. And I had an experience up in Oregon recently where I gave a guy a hemp cigarette outside of a bar one night. And his first hit, he goes, oh, tastes like old fan leaves. And, you know, started complaining about it. And I could see his his face change over the next couple of hits. And then he goes, you know what? I think I, think I kind of like this. 
and that's an interesting thing that you pointed out, Alice, is, is people are dressing it up like weed or there's confusion that it's weed. But I think lar- uh, when you zoom out, and this is what I try to think about a good bit, is just like, eventually these categories are going to merge. I think it's inevitable where you're looking at cannabis, hemp, marijuana, and we're just at the beginning of it here. But eventually I see these products merging. I see companies being able to operate in both spaces. I think it's inevitable. There's going to be regulation around that too, but I think that's an interesting point to look at is just zooming out. Yeah, definitely regulation on it. The point three things is definitely going to be a a difficult hurdle for people to to hop. But I think what needs to happen is there needs to be genetic development for specifically smokable CBD hemp that maybe not be as high in CBD, but really have a really strong terpene content and that that point three point two you know what i want is a really beautiful really terpy three percent cbd bud because that's going to make a fantastic cigarette yeah no no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right i think that people have been you know prior to all this legalization and change we've had recently constantly trying to push for the highest thc that they could have or the highest cbd yep and now the race is going to be all the other profiles with the lowest thc so that we can have it on the open market and the people who don't like that high can have all those other benefits so I can actually smoke a whole joint and not lose my mind. Yeah, exactly. You don't need, you know, 100 milligrams of CBD in a cigarette. You know, if you can get 10, 20, that would be great. Maybe people would smoke a few more of those and have cigarettes all day. And, you know, I think that would be good for, for everyone's health. Oh, man, I blend it all the time. Like yeah. a one-third hemp CBD and two-thirds ganja. Well, so speaking of blending, Hollis, what's, uh, what are you guys doing over there at Lefties? Uh, so blending with some herbs. So a lot of people have smoking mixes and stuff. They've been buying at apothecaries for a long time. So we bought pretty much every smokable herb and had a grind garage taste test going on. And, um, you know, I've got a couple different herbal bins, even like a spearmint for people who like their menthol cigarettes. An organic spearmint goes really well in there. But in the blending thing, I can tell you that people who don't want to completely kick tobacco and still like it, who like smoking spliffs, this is another amazing thing where I see a lot of people going to be buying pouches of it rather than pre-rolls and twisting that up, which has actually been my favorite, has been just a little bit of tobacco with uh, like a Norwegian shag, like a good organic tobacco with the hemp. It's a really good blend. So I've I've got got another question for Hollis. I thought about putting some tobacco into that Canadian concha to make it smoke better. Probably would have. <laughs> so, what's your question for Hollis? Uh, my well, you threw me off there when you when you. Uh, oh, I changed the subject. Yeah, you changed the subject, but I don't know. It's gonna have to move on. Hollis, what, is, what were some of the difficulties you found by getting into the the hemp, the hemp business? Yeah, that was gonna be my question. Is what did what troubles did you have as you were trying to get these made, supply chain, all that sort of stuff? Lots of troubles, mostly around for being massively distracted all the time with other projects. But uh, <laughs> projects or heli skiing? <laughs> priorities, priorities. It is a project to go heli skiing. Uh, right, right. To drag right. you guys all out here. Hollis Mastermind. This uh, this is actually Hollis's birthday party. We're here uh, celebrating his life and uh, and and life in general. And hey, hey. Happy birthday, Hollis. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no better way to uh, enjoy it here. Yeah, another, another birthday boy just walked in the room, too. This is a great birthday celebration. Yeah. So I'm sorry to interrupt. We had a train of thought. There. Yeah, so what what issues did you have as you were you know, finding supply, trying yeah. to have it manufactured, getting it out of the market? Yeah, my partner did a lot of the research, so I mainly heard a lot of his complaints about it and different things like that. Um, but both of you have actually been extremely helpful in helping us navigate those waters and hook us up with people to talk to. Yeah, but it, it was, they were your problems, so what yeah. were they? <laughs> oh, these, these are trade secrets. We're, oh, okay, we're, sorry, sorry. I would say one of the biggest things, though, has been, without getting too much detail, is just manufacturing, figuring yeah. out how people can do this at quantity, making the machines reliable, and getting out the door. And the whole market's basically based on the cannabis space and trying to roll big cones, big joints, and it's a different product how to actually muddle and create it in a way that will roll nicely and so treating it, manufacturing it, getting it out the door. Um, you know, the branding and the selling piece, the demand is there. And I think that part is fun and easy. It's been more how do you get a reliable 
slip into the mainstream of getting this done at quantity and scale. Right. And I think that's part of the challenge is that it's a combination of cannabis and these other industries converging and these cannabis, you know, ganja businesses don't have the ability to work on the, the global stage. Yeah, we spend the most of the time talking to tobacco companies first, right. trying to get that happen, but the dunk up machines and so coming from lots of arduous work with regulatory with Charlotte's Web, I'm just instantly thinking about how does the FDA respond to smokable hemp, other smokable additives? I'm just always looking for these icebergs, right? And so I'm Did you say FDA? Yeah. Well, does they the FDA, really, you know, touch smokable product really? Where, well, where I mean, do they? Out, is that alcohol, tobacco, bombs? No, but I look at like vaping, for instance. You know, right? That's who, is that who controls that? Vape? FDA. So, drug delivery devices, anything where you're ostensibly taking a drug that could have been marketed as a pharmaceutical and using it as, as smoking, which or inhaling or vaporizing, which FDA would consider a medical device, right? And this is where you look at market potential and how does this evolve. And I, I don't know what the answer is or, or what it looks like, but immediately in my regulatory operational head, I'm like, hmm, how does that look? You know, this is. Say this is wildly successful. How does FDA start handling this and regulating it? So, question, Graham. You guys are on the forefront of compliance and regulatory and trying to do things by the book over Charlotte's Web, and you sit on the U.S. Hemp Roundtable. What do you see all these companies doing wrong when they're getting in and just selling stuff over state lines and putting it into vaporizers and all this and just selling it on the Internet? The number one thing, and this, this is very solid advice, is avoid structure function claims. If you don't know what that means, look it up, give it a Google search. What is a structure function claim? Um, I noticed, you know, in this podcast, I've, I think I've said inflammation. You shouldn't even talk about that unless you're prefacing it with exercise and induced inflammation or minor cases of anxiety, anything that the FDA can consider a disease no, state. No claims. No claims. No claims. Just make no claims. This product has enough demand. If you market it smartly, you should be able to sell it without making these claims. And honestly, you, you shouldn't make a lot of these claims to mislead people. That's, that's an area where I think sometimes the FDA does have – is very – well-founded in, in what they're doing and saying that you shouldn't give people hope that this is going to get rid of your Ebola, yep. you know? So be sensible about it. You don't need to do this to market it. And, and I think one thing that I liked about your business plan when I was hearing about it initially, Hollis, was just talking about good times, you know, and wellness. And that's mm-hmm. something that the FDA can't touch, but undeniably, we all want good times. You know, laughter yeah. is medicine. And you can talk about that without... Yeah. without crossing the FDA. You know, it's funny, that was actually the reason we decided to do smokable first is because we have come from like the health and supplement world where claims and all the regulatory stuff is huge. But like, let's not make any claims. Let's just, let's make smoking cool again. Good time. And there's, there's tons, time. yeah, there's tons of studies out there that can back up really cool things. And we're not going to use that in marketing or do it. I'm not even going to mention it right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's really, the, really that's really how careful you have it. to be. It's, it's uh, like right. on this podcast right now, I'm thinking, what can I say and what can I say? Yeah. You know, so many people discount the good times. Yeah. And right. it has to be for something other than just fun. Can't we do shit for fun anymore, man? Does it have <laughs> no. to be like medicinal or like escapism? Is like, isn't it just fun? Yeah. Can I live while I'm young? <laughs> <laughs> or, or live every day, bro. Or live every day, man. Oh, yeah. Canadian stuff ain't very good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we're, we're having a we're having a great time here in, in, in Canada and uh, we've been jiving hemp and, and ganja a little bit, uh, but Canada really was at the forefront of uh, hemp seed and industrial development 20 years ago. And we talked about Tilray buying Manitoba Harvest just recently. Um, and it is a very smart move, man. Uh, that The hemp seed, hemp seeds for food, for human food, for cow animal food like it's it really is an, an incredible product it's full of amino acids it's it's in so many food products you don't even realize right and that I, acquisition i think also does more to move hemp and cbd more into the mainstream food space so that you're looking at a large brand that has that power there incorporating cbd and this is all coming more towards a commoditization and more mainstream cpg direction which right. is where we're going and it's what we're going to see in 2019 and 2020 right is big cpg coming into the space a larger acceptance of this as a food and nutritional supplement and less stigma yeah. you know anyone who ever approaches me with an idea that tries to put handcuffs on 
on hemp as not being just a normal commodity or food product. I'm 100% philosophically against it because I think that's where it's heading and where it should be. Well, and we're at this point now where the the industry, hemp and CBD, has been a ground-up industry. You know, a lot of new companies in the space building the market, creating the awareness, and now we've got the top-down approach that's entering, which is the big CPG brands, which is the guys that can spend the money. It's and turning into a red ocean. A red ocean. Tell us more. What's, what's red? I mean, blue ocean, red ocean is a common business principle of just where... You know, you have a lot of people working in the same space doing the same thing, and it, it becomes acquisitions, it becomes mergers. That's how you gain efficiencies. That's how you get operational leverage is by rolling up companies. Whereas, you know, when we started with Charlottesville about five years ago, it was like... It was a big blue ocean. Big blue ocean, holy <clears> shit. <throat> you know, we could be in orange jumpsuits, but there is the risk-reward factor, right? And it's a blue ocean, and it's, it's a lot more exciting, honestly. And you, and you guys paved the way for that ground-up approach of a new company building massive market share in this emerging industry. We did. Bluebird did. There was a lot. There was some other people yeah. involved with it, but sure. it really was that that big splash with, with, with Sanjay Gupta and on CNN. And then wait, 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 wait. Which Sanjay Gupta? <laughs> not, not the other guy. The, the one who after the one on he CNN took the CBD chief medical right. Yeah, yeah. The he one with that title. He, he, the one that hit a joint at the party and changed his mind. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. That guy. Well, you know, a, a big part of, of hemp is industrial hemp, and we just kind of mm-hmm. spoke on on food. We've been talking about CBD. Currently, the, the only real industry for it is seed production for food and a CBD. Let, let's talk about the future of industrial hemp, right? Well, what is it going to take for industrial hemp to become a, a mainstream product? Well, now that we have the farm bill, more people are going to want to invest in capital. It's going to allow this to happen. There's a company out of Kentucky called Sunstrands. CEO's name is Trey Riddle. Mm-hmm. He's a brilliant man. Press board people. What's up? They make the press board product? They make all sorts of stuff. He's mm-hmm. doing wet chemistry. He's doing all sorts of different <clears throat> material sciences. He's looking. I mean, I know he's in conversations with major corporations that are looking for hemp alternatives in the outdoor industry, um, clothing industry. But the Concrete. potential for bioplastics, for car paneling, for tier one, tier two suppliers of Toyota, for your baby wipes. I mean, there's massive potential here. Now, is what the Farm Bill is going to do is it's going to actually encourage people to invest this capital mm-hmm. where they didn't mm-hmm. want to invest it before because of the restrictive regulation. So as that starts to evolve, I think we're going to see a ton of opportunity in multiple industries to create more environmentally friendly products. And I'm super excited for that and its potential benefit for the planet and humanity. Right. One of the things that really uh, has to develop is uh, regional industries mm-hmm. so that if you're making hempcrete, you're not shipping hemp all over the country or thousands of miles. If you're making press board, the hemp comes from your neighborhood because the, the, the fact of the matter is it's, it's a really light substance. It's really bulky, right? It's hard to get like a shit ton onto a semi or onto a rail car, right? But the press board and the concrete, I think, are that's what's going to happen first. Yeah, I think building materials is going to be a huge category for him. And I think that's a realistic one for the U.S. in particular to set their eyes on right now. There's just a lot of room for innovation and infrastructure that could give us an advantage. When you compare it to food or textiles, you know, there's different advantages to each. And, you know, I think we're a little behind when it comes to textiles i think just in general that's kind of leaving the u.s so uh we got to focus on what we can do with this industrial hemp and, and actually introduce right. it. this is exactly. the thing that frustrates me with hempcrete because it's a brilliant product mm-hmm. i don't know how much experience you guys have with oh it. yeah it totally makes much. concrete light yeah. strong insulative properties the sound dampening everything it's amazing but the way people are marketing it and i totally get it if you're not familiar with this product it's like you look at it and it looks like a mud thatch hut and you're like going back in time like that's totally missing it. You need to market this towards the people you're trying to sell it to, which is looking at it as a new technology. Even though we know we're rediscovering hemp in many facets, right? You need to market this, and it needs to look externally like something like Tyvek on a building, where you're marketing this technology as tech as opposed to just this, like, reversion into ancient history. But, you know, the same thing happened with uh, hemp clothing in the 90s. When it first came out, it was this, like, hard, brittle shit that nobody right. wanted, right? And now, like, it's it's as, as soft and supple as, as cotton or silk or anything else. But you have to market it in a way that people understand new tech. 
that. You know, it doesn't look like a mud thatch building. It, it needs. Well, then you need to market it to the builders the and builder. the people and the developers, not just those end users who want to have some sustainable building solution. And then their building builder sells it out of them because he's been buying his concrete from George down the street for right. twenty years. The builders. And it's the best concrete. So it's, you know, figure out how to also market it to people who don't care about the hip sustainable thing. They care that it's a better product yep. and they can get a margin on it and build good homes with it. Spot on. And super regional too. I think when I was in Europe doing a hemp tour, I think they talked about their ideal radius for hempcrete was like 700 kilometers. Well, concrete's the perfect thing because there's concrete in all the communities. Concrete's a heavy product to ship, right? They, they bring in the Portland cement. They mix it with local materials because it's always put near a sand yeah. mine or a gravel mine. Mind, and and then they push it out from there. So that's what it has to be. It has to be this regional Tight product, yeah. right? And and same similar thing with wood products is uh, the press board people. They're in regions where there's there's wood product, there's wood waste product, mm-hmm. right? And and that's what that's where we have to push in for sure. Yeah, man, it's been a great great little hemp conversation. I, I uh, enjoyed chatting with you fellas. I'm wondering if I could maybe get like a, a hemp prediction for 2019 for you, from from each one of you. Ooh, that's a tough one. It's so hard to predict the future right now in hemp because, you know, we're seeing it from on the supply chain. You've got farmers scaling up acreage right now that have never grown hemp. Farmers that had a small successful plot that are scaling it up like crazy. Companies like Canopy and Tilray that are going to enter the markets and want to get into farming. Uh, Canopy, I know, is trying to do some massive acreage this year. And it's really hard to to know where the market's going to go. And so my prediction is that we're going to hit another massive bottleneck uh, at the end of this year. People aren't Mm going to have plans for getting their plants out of the field, into drying, into storage. And we're going to have this major bottleneck, not even to mention processing. And so hopefully we don't see it. But my prediction is that we're going to see a lot of hemp rot in the field. Uh, uh, Processing is the number one thing that needs to happen. You know, most people are excited about hemp because they love growing things and they want to grow it. Right. And uh, so processing is the number one thing that that probably needs to take place. Tequila? Tequila! Tequila! So the bar is really cranking up yeah, here. Is the totally. last yeah. chopper got yeah, back let's, let's, get our couple, let's get our couple more uh, predictions here, and then we're going to... Really quick, and this aligns with what Mike said in a, in a different way, but I think you're going to see major adoption from big brick-and-mortar stores, very large brick-and-mortar presence from hemp, and it's going to creep even more into the mainstream, which is going to push further... No, not ha- I'm thinking more on the CBD side. Were you thinking still industrial? Okay. Um, but that plays more into what Mike's saying in terms of we're going to have this kind of curve that goes up and plateaus in terms of becoming a true commodity. We're going to have a really big spike in demand. And I think in terms of drying technology and processing, Mike is spot on and saying that there's going to be a shortage. It's going to be hard. Some people are going to miss their account, like hitting their orders with Target and Walmart and because of the exact things that you're saying. But my main prediction is we're going to see major adoption from CPG companies and it really slipping more into the mainstream. So. Mr. Carter? Yes. Very high-end smokable hemp, I think, as we were talking about earlier, that, you know, people are going to start breeding those genetics and things that you've had those amazing tasty buds with all the terps and all the different things with the legal THC, you know, allotment in it so that we can start to play that game, too. And the people who were very turned off by the, you know, cannabis conjure world who are going to love this product. And also, I really do think municipalities are going to be the ones that move hemp forward. There'll be a few that see the light, and they'll be the actual people who push that forward. Or people back adding those terps, just watch out. Yep. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, I predict that uh, Hollis Carter and Lefty's cigarettes are going to explode and be a national phenomenon. And I know many other people will say that there's hemp cigarettes out there, but Hollis truly has a superior product over every product that I had in the industry. I believe that uh, uh, CW, Charlotte's Web, is going to have its biggest year to date and is going to really crush all of their expectations. (laughs) My other prediction is that uh, HGH Seeds, uh, Mike Liago's uh, side project here, is going to sell millions and millions and millions of CBD seeds to new farmers. Man, 
I'm just going to keep getting more and more and more and more excited about hemp. And people are going to keep sending me killer hemp products. And I'm going to keep getting to get to talk to people about, about this elevated hemp industry that we have. Yeah. That's we my particular. Figure out how it's another name than cigarette. Yeah, I think we should. Oh, it's, it's, it's actually smokes. hemp smokes. We're just calling them smokes. Hemp smokes. smokes. It's just like claims. We've got to stay away from cigarettes as well. It's <laughs> yeah. a very fragile yeah. world of political correctness, and we have to walk the line. You know? Well, it, it looks like we've gathered a crowd here. I think this is the perfect time to, to, to propose a toast. Here's our tequila shots to cannabis. And all it's cannabis. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big Helly Lines. Whiskey in Canada. And there we go, folks. Another fine episode of The Real Dirt with Hemp. With <laughs> The Real Dirt About Hemp. This is The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. Please download this episode and other episodes on iTunes, or you can also check us out at therealdirt.com. Pay attention to all the hemp episodes that are coming this spring of 2019. If you have any requests or anything you want to hear about, just let us know. Just remember, stay out. Thank you for joining this hemp episode of The Real Dirt with Chip Baker. I love hemp. Obviously, you listen to our whole episode here. You you feel how much I love hemp. I hope you love hemp, too. If you want to know more about hemp, check out our other hemp episodes that are a part of this whole series, if you've only heard one. So uh, check those out, and you'll learn everything you need to know about hemp in 2019. That's right. Hey, I really appreciate your listening. I know that your time is precious, and uh, you choose to spend it with me. Thank you so much. I, I, I always am amazed and appreciate all the thanks and gratitude people give me. If you have any comment, please drop us a line at uh, info at therealdirt.com or travis at therealdirt.com or chip at therealdirt.com uh, if you're interested in being on or have a product that you'd like us to review or, or something that you want to hear us talk about I'd love to chat about it uh, and, and I've got some of my best ideas from my listeners so thanks for joining me please download this episode and others at therealdirt.com Please also subscribe, subscribe, subscribe the Real Dirt Podcast on iTunes. Uh, man, we love those comments. We'd love to hear from you. Comment on our Instagram, our Facebook. Join our Facebook group page, man. That, that You couldn't have a better resource right there, uh, our Facebook group. So, yeah, hey, man, love you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, I guess you'll hear me next time on The Real Dirt.